January 2nd. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 13. We'll go through chapter 3, verse 6. We'll see in chapter 2 about uh, responses. What were the responses to his birth? Well, creation responded by putting a miraculous star in the heavens to tell the world a king had been born. And not just a king, but the king of the universe. The Gentiles responded by worshiping him and bringing him gifts. Matthew shows early in his book that Jesus came to save Gentiles as well as Jews. The wise men were astrologer scientists who studied the heavens. The star led them to the scriptures and the scriptures led them to the Savior. God speaks to us in ways we can understand. He's a good God in that respect. In every respect, he's a good God. Herod, the king, responded with fear and deception. He wanted no new king to threaten his reign. The chief priests and scribes gave the right information, but the wrong response. They were only five miles away from the Messiah, Yet they refused to go see him. What good is it to understand Bible prophecy if it doesn't make a difference in your life? In chapter 3, we'll read that John the Baptist was a model preacher. He was a road builder who prepared the way for the Lord, and an axe man who got to the root of sin and exposed it. He was not intimidated by people, nor was he afraid to preach about judgment. He was obedient to his Lord and magnified him in all things. Some people heard God's word and confessed their sins, while others heard it and covered their sins. The first group became children of God, but the second group were children of the devil. Jesus is the Son of God. The Scriptures, John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, attested to that truth. And now, let's begin reading today here in the New Testament. January 2nd, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, through chapter 3, verse 6. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to try to kill the child. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he learned that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, because the wise men had told him the star first appeared to them about two years earlier. Herod's brutal action fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. A cry of anguish is heard in Ramah, weeping and mourning unrestrained. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and told him, Get up and take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. 
so, Joseph returned immediately to Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid. Then, in another dream, he was warned to go to Galilee. So they went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets concerning the Messiah. He will be called a Nazarene. In those days, John the Baptist began preaching in the Judean wilderness. His message was, Turn from your sins and turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make a straight road for him. John's clothes were woven from camel hair, and he wore a leather belt. His food was locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from every section of Judea and from all over the Jordan Valley went out to the wilderness to hear him preach, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. This week's Bible Meditation, Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Paul is praying a prayer for the believers there. And he says, I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all the saints. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And in verse 17, he tells us what he's praying for. It gives us a list of things. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So what we see is Paul showing us a few truths. First of all, Christ has all power. God has placed all things under his feet. I want you to think about that with me this morning. His authority, his dominion, his title over every other ruler in all of history. Not one current event that we see on CNN is not under the authority of Christ. The violence we're seeing going on in the West Bank right now as we pray for believers there, it's all under the feet of Christ. So we see that Christ has all power. But look at this next truth. The church has the fullness of Christ. And that word literally means to fill completely. So the church has all that Christ has. The fullness of Christ dwells in the church. And you put those two truths together and look what you get. Christ has all power. The fullness of Christ is in the church. Don't miss this. That means that all the authority of Christ in all the universe belongs to who? It belongs to the church. Think about that. If Christ has it all, and we have all of Christ, then we've got it all. All authority, all power, all dominion, everything that is Christ belongs to us. He shares it with us. We share His resurrection, His his crucifixion, His ascension, His exaltation, and His authority. Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples because you have my authority in you. 
I want you to look over at 1 Corinthians. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all of them are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. He's reminding them, you possess the authority of Christ. Everything that is his belongs to you. I remember when I uh, was, was getting married to Heather, December 18th, 1999. I, she's a year older than me, married an older woman. So uh, she, she had finished up college. I actually was finishing up, and the semester before we got married, I was finishing up. And so that meant I was a college student, living on college income, eating a lot of ramen noodles, and just kind of making my way, just working as hard as I could at school, and that, therefore I didn't have an income coming from anywhere else. As a result, like many college students, no cash flow whatsoever, all right? No, no real income as a result of the ramen noodles. That's the picture for me as I'm preparing to get married. Heather, on the other hand, had graduated, and she'd gotten a job teaching. That meant she had cash flow. She had an income coming in. She had money in her bank account. So on December 18th, 1999, we stand at the altar and we join our lives together. Now on that day, I received some incredible things. Most importantly, a beautiful wife. But you know what else I received on that day? Cash flow. One minute, no income. The next minute, income. One minute, nothing in my bank account. The next minute, I got money in the account. Simply by uniting my life with her, everything that was hers became mine. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a much greater truth for you this morning based on God's word. When you unite your life with Christ, everything that is his, his holiness, his redemption, his mercy, it's all yours. His power, His authority, His grace, it all belongs to you. We possess the authority of Christ. And I want us to be a church that lives like it. So the people come to Christ, so the gospels advance, so the nations know the goodness of God. And that's what He wants to do. And He's given us His authority to do it. Let's start living like we've got this authority. We possess the authority of Christ, the fullness of Him. Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from this slavery. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, my holy city. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, 
you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear, and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal Son, or He will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of your pursuits, for His anger can flare up in an instant. But what joy for all who find protection in Him! Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. Listen, my child, to what your father teaches you. Don't neglect your mother's teaching. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and clothe you with honor. Proverbs 